The sermon today is based on Luke chapter 1. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come into me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and, his, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, who here has ever been to a Catholic wedding? Yeah. Um, I myself have been to a Catholic wedding. They do something unique at a Catholic wedding. Uh, well, the, you know, they do some things that are similar to what we do. They do some things that are different. But something that always strikes me is there's usually something either on the right or the left. It was on the right in terms of the Catholic churches where Brigida and I uh, would visit our friends who were Catholic. Um, and there would usually be a statuette of Mary. And during the wedding ceremony, the... Uh, the bride and the bridegroom, they would process up to the statuette of Mary and they would kneel before her and they would dedicate their marriage um, to Mary in some regard. And while this is happening, um, they play probably one of the most recognizable songs to anyone that has lived since the 19th century, which is the Ave Maria. Everyone's familiar with the Ave Maria. It's one of the most beautiful songs that's ever been composed. It was uh, actually written by Franz Schubert in the 19th century. And um, it was originally written for a, uh, an opera that he was doing. And the Catholic Church liked it a lot. And they put the Marian prayer in there with for the lyrics as opposed to the opera's lyrics. And it's ever since and ever more will be, they're going to play this beautiful song at weddings. Now, the thing is, though, one would like to think that um, prayers have been said to Mary ever since the beginning. Now, all we have is as early as the 11th century in terms of the, what we would call Hail Mary prayer or the Ave Maria, or as I like to say, Ahoy Mary. (laughs) Um, Because that is the 
term by which they mean hail, uh, the translation. Because, of course, it comes from Luke 1, where the angel appears to Mary and says, Hello, Mary, or Ahoy, Mary, or Hail, Mary. You know, I'm here, listen to what I'm saying, as uh, Alexander Graham Bell wanted the telephone greeting to be. Could you imagine if, we, if you called someone on the phone and you said, Ahoy? Uh, well, we see the, I don't know, like, Maybe when you guys heard the gospel reading today, you might have even thought, whoa, that's the Ave Maria. Some of those phrases from the gospel reading, those are that prayer, you might say. Um, we have Mary, and she has come to her cousin Elizabeth's house. It's uh, often this is called the visitation of Mary. Um, and... I think something that's very interesting is when um, Mary comes, it says, Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, and the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I think that's kind of interesting because it says something about what the nature and the power of words. Because probably, you know, what was Mary's greeting? Probably shalom, peace, peace be with you. You know, that's a very basic Hebrew or Israelite uh, greeting. And what that means is that Mary's own, own words convey the Holy Spirit. Much like you, when you console or greet a brother or sister in Christ, your words are filled with the Holy Spirit and inspire uh, faithful change in the hearts of others through the work of the Spirit. Now, What's important to point out here is that it, this greeting evokes from Elizabeth these very important words. They evoke, blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So, Jesus. And her gratefulness, her gratitude. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And finally, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And I think this is the linchpin of the reading this morning. This is, this tells us what it means to be blessed, what to do to be blessed, how we are blessed right now as Christians, just as Mary was blessed. You see... Elizabeth and Mary were standing at the very turning point in history between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? All of the history of God's chosen people, all of those words of Psalms and Proverbs, all of the, uh, the, the, the way that the prophets spoke, that all culminated in this little interchange between Elizabeth and Mary, especially Mary's uh, response here, the Magnificat. Now, if anyone, if you would be led, I invite you to open up either the Bible in your pew or to open up your phone as long as you're looking at the Bible app <laughs> and to uh, pull up Luke 1. Because here in Luke 1, is the foundation for the rest of God's 
plan for his people in salvation history. Yours might look a little bit different, for it's a different translation, but Mary says she responds to Elizabeth. She says, or sings, or proclaims, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She goes on to talk about all of Old Testament history. That God has brought down those who don't deserve or are doing a bad job or aren't doing their vocation as political leader. He brings them down. He casts them down from their thrones. Those who are humble, who ought to be up there, he raises up like, I don't know, his servant David. He um, feeds those who are hungry with good things, with his teaching, with his word, with food, with manna in the desert. And those who are rich... He sends away empty. Those who are fine with how things are and don't need the Lord. This, in Mary saying this, I hope, as you can see, it's almost weird or strange. Usually when you see the Magnificat, when you open up Luke 1, you look at it and you say, huh, that looks like the Old Testament. All of a sudden, it's stanzas. It's not a narrative like the beginning of Luke or what comes after. Well, that's because in many ways it is. Mary is weaving together all of the Old Testament history of God's people, all of the language and the lexicon of how God speaks to his people and through his people in Psalms and Proverbs and all of his promises and his rebukes from his prophets is all woven together in Mary's song, the Magnificat, in the same way that all of salvation history, the prophets, the Proverbs, the Psalms, are being woven together in the person of Jesus Christ in Mary's womb. For they're standing on the very cusp, the very edge of the old and the new. And what's so strange is, you know, because Mary says, blessed are you among women, Mary. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. And Mary comes to a point, maybe, who knows, I'm going to interpret it this way this week. I can try again next year. Maybe when Mary says, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Maybe that's a, oh no, from now on, all generations are going to call me blessed. I hope this doesn't distract from my son. My God, my Savior, who I look to and trust for my salvation. I hope this doesn't distract from him. Already in Luke 11, I don't, if you want to follow me there, you can. In verse 27, as early as Luke 11, we already have a woman in the crowd. She interrupts Jesus. She interrupts his teaching. He's been teaching for a while now. 
all the words are read. And she says, wait, 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 Jesus, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Already we see, if you are familiar with the Ave Maria, with the prayer of, it's almost like she's repeating Elizabeth's words and taking the focus off of Jesus and putting it onto Mary. She is using past tense. She's saying, the womb that bore you, the, the breast that nursed you, making the faithfulness of Mary something that happened in the past and stays there. Well, what is unique about Mary's faith and what I think we should focus on and teach today as we celebrate St. Mary is not what she did in the past, but her relationship of faith with her Savior, that she did believe what was spoken to her from the Lord and counted to her as righteousness, as Paul might say. Because when you allow yourself, your faith, to be something that is in the past, like is trying to be attempted here by this person who had interrupted Jesus, then it, it is something that remains in the past. If your baptism is something that you see in your rearview mirror but you don't think about, then it ceases to be what has washed you clean. What um, each morning gives you the strength to put off the old self and to put on the new self. The living and active word of God ought to be living and active in your life, right? Because that is how Jesus responds to this woman. He says, no, 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 no. Not blessed is the womb that bore me and the breasts at which I nursed. No. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And what's so interesting is that does mean that Mary was and is blessed because she heard the word of God and kept it. She heard the word of God that uh, a virgin would conceive and bear a child, that she would give birth to him and all nations would call him Lord. And she trusted it. And because of that trust, she wasn't freaked out when people were like, what do you mean you're pregnant and you're only engaged? What do you mean that your child that you bear is the son of the father? What do you mean? She did not have to worry because she trusted the father. And I just want to repeat that idea where we come in. I want to repeat that if our faith becomes something that is or was in the past and we or we idolize the faith of another person then it blocks your own faith from advancing. It blocks your own faith from hearing the word of the Lord and keeping it. For example, 
Mary had such strong faith. My faith can never look like that. My son has such strong faith. I don't think I could have faith like that. My husband, God bless him, he was such a strong Christian. I don't think that I can have faith like that. You can. You do. You are washed and redeemed by the Lord Jesus. You bear the same robes of righteousness that Isaiah talks about covering you, the garments of salvation put on you. I'm sure there's a photo of you, even if you're a boy, wearing a little white dress after your baptism. And that little white dress is the garment of salvation, the robe of righteousness, as you would that we use to physically display to the congregation that you are now covered. You are no longer tainted with sin. You are covered with Christ's righteousness. And this is where Paul comes in with Galatians. In Galatians, you know, he's warning these, this church body. He's saying, you know, stop trusting in the law to justify you. The law can't justify you. Faith in Jesus Christ justifies you, right? Classic, classic Lutheran, classic Christian, classic, classic. Well, the reading for today, he brings up the idea of being an heir. No longer a servant, but an heir. No longer a servant, but a son, a daughter. And what this means for us is that, and what he tries to say is, our present status as heirs to God, God's kingdom through faith in Christ is similar to an heir. But what is problematic is, is that when an heir is still a child and hasn't come of age, the full inheritance is not yet his. We've all heard a thousand, you know, usually like 19th century children's books about this kind of thing, and there have been countless since, of you are going to inherit a whole bunch of stuff when you're 18, but for now, you're just a kid. Well, we ourselves, though we are now heirs through our baptism, our adoption by God as brothers and sisters to Jesus Christ, we hold that full heirship The kingdom will be ours, but not until we come of age. And Jesus and Paul refer to that event as when he returns, when he resurrects all beings, all creation. And so until then, we do have a living faith. You are still the king's son or daughter. But here's the hard word. If you are the king's son or daughter, but you leave the king's kingdom and you go off to a foreign and strange land and you die there, you still are the king's son or daughter. But how are you going to cash in on that inheritance if no one knows who you are in that kingdom and you are there in the gutter But let's return to Mary. 
Let's return to this example of one who was faithful to the end and what it means to be blessed. To be blessed is to remain faithful to what the Lord promised you in his word, that you would have life everlasting, that he would raise you up on the last day. Because Jesus is the seed of the woman, Mary, that has come at last to crush the serpent's head, Satan. He crushed the serpent's head in his death, in his resurrection, and in his ascension. And that is what you have faith in. That is what makes you blessed. Because you believe that which he promised you. Through his death and resurrection, you would have eternal life. And so now you keep that word. You pass it on to your friends, your children, your grandchildren. You keep his word. Mary bore God. She bore the Savior. He became just like us. If you remember in this hymn that we learned today, Word made flesh, our very brother, takes our nature by his birth. Jesus took on our human nature. He took on our human nature, and that means he became just like us, just like you. He became a person, even though, I don't know, up until this point, people, human beings, to have human flesh, it was, it was like you're, you're, you're cursed. You have been cursed. You're going to get sick. You're going to die. You're, you have to toil, and sweat has to drip off your face into the ground for anything just weeds to come up. You have to have pain and childbirth. Uh, Jesus took that on to be like you. And he redeemed it. And he made it blessed not only to be Mary, but blessed to be a human being when you have faith in him. And now we are baptized. And like how Jesus had to take on our flesh and become like us, to raise us up on the last day. In our baptism, we take on a nature like his, a spiritual one. New faith, new life is given to us in our baptism. And when we remember it, we realize that we become a little bit like him because it is his life that lives in us now. We who have learned and kept the promise in the church by faith. Mary bore Christ. The church, our mother, bore us into this world. I was telling a member here, Jerry, when he was asking about, you know, well, Dan, why is the, um, the baptismal font up there? And I said, well, it's all over the place in different churches. Everyone does something different. Sometimes the baptismal font, and I'm sure you've been to a baptism where it's in the back. And what's trying to be portrayed here is that when you are baptized, you are entering into the church body. 
You are being born by the church and delivered into this place where you can thrive and be kept and learn and be fed by God's word. Well, Mary nurtured Jesus. The church has nurtured us and kept us safe and fed us. She loved Jesus and cared for him. And the church loves and cares for you. Let the church, like Mary, always point you, point you to, and keep you looking at, beholding, adoring, trusting your older brother, Jesus Christ. Be faithful like Mary. Be faithful so that all can say, blessed is he or she who has believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to you from your Lord Jesus Christ, that you would believe that you will have everlasting life by his death and resurrection and that he would raise you up on the last day. Amen.